Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 270, I speak to Superintendent James Blanford about the frontline realities experienced through his work with SA Police responding to domestic violence. Superintendent Blanford discusses the need for wider community understanding, the critical need to be informed and educated about the alarming rates of domestic violence that are occurring. On average, one woman a week is murdered by her current or former partner, These are incredibly alarming statistics that require concerted and collaborative action to address. This is Superintendent Blanford's version of Be The Drop. This interview was conducted as part of my work with Vinnie's SA, who I am proud to work with and support as an ambassador for the CEO Sleepout. It contains content that some listeners may find triggering. If you or anyone you know needs counselling or support services, 1-800-RESPECT is accessible 24 hours a day. So the multi-agent protection service, so MAPS. MAPS. Tell me about that service and what its core function is. So MAPS is a, is a uh, as, as its name suggests, it's a joint agency to um, review and assess and share information about uh, domestic violence uh, offenders and perpetrators to mitigate the risk uh, effectively. SAPOL are the coordinators, um, um, but all each uh, government agency is, is equally um, embedded and committed to uh, coming together, researching people, people's relationships and their actions, uh, and, and they specifically they, they tend to target the high risk um, uh, uh, relationships to find ways of actually one everybody knowing. The, the, the same information, so everybody's off the same, starting on the same page, and finding ways of, of issuing actions to impact um, positively in their lives and, and mitigate the risk, sadly and predominantly, to women and children. Mm. And there were some numbers that were released recently. Yeah. So, you know, do you know those numbers? Look, I do, yeah, but I mean, uh, I, and I, I think I made the point, um, and, uh, you know, journalists are. Uh, have to have to streamline their stories, so th- there are numbers and 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 you know maps. Uh, nothing should really be read into the into the the, the figures because they are the maps's um, data, um, and really the stories. What is the people that represent those figures, um, and what we're seeing is an increase. I think we see it across the board. There is a general and gradual increase in people feeling comfortable to report. The fact that they are uh, in a in a an abusive relationship or subject to some sort of com- uh, domestic um, violence. What we're seeing, though, is we're not. We're also seeing the increase in the, in the volume of people that would that would be um, regarded as being in a high risk relationship. So they're they're ticking a lot of the markers that that put that, that suggest women and children are at risk. You know, from 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 overt violence or control. Um, uh, psychological, emotional, financial abuse, um, and I think that is—I uh, I use the word—the uh, word alarming uh, increases—in the perspective of 
We've been talking and, and, and dealing with domestic violence for a long, long time. Over the last 20 years, we really have done a lot better uh, for a number of reasons in understanding and being informed and educated about what is going on within relationships and the violence and the control that is being um, imposed, again, generally on women. It's not to say that men aren't victims, but men aren't the people who are being killed by their partners. It's women who are dying at a rate on an average of one a week by their male partners. And that is alarming. It's a concern that after all these decades of, of talking and acting and doing things, what we're seeing is the message is not necessarily getting through anywhere near as quickly or as, or as vibrantly as what we would expect or what we would hope, because we're still losing women at one a week. Mm, I agree, it is horrendous. So how's a society and community, you know, we've had the conversations, we have been talking about it, but perhaps we haven't been framing them in the right way. What do we change? Well, I think that's, I think that's the, they're, they're the questions and the reflections that we need to get out of these types of conversations about media articles, you know, and, and I, I, I can completely understand when you've got a senior police officer saying a, a, a high risk um, offenders are, are, are increasing at an alarming rate. Well, it is alarming, and we should be alarmed, and we should be we should be framing the question not on the on the the subjective and emotive alarm, but on why haven't we made a difference? What are we doing that is actually going to make a a, a positive impact on those on those increases? Are, are we framing the message in the right way? Is 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 the marketing and the the, the messaging of respect just not hitting the mark? You know, why is it that our community can't actually respect themselves and each other, and particularly the person they're supposedly loving? You know, where, where, where did it become a, an acceptable thing in, in our modern democratic and free society that, that a, a significant partner is not treated with respect and love? How, how, did, we, how did we get a, a, a warped or distorted view of what love and relationship is? Um, and quite frankly, whilst we're doing a lot of work with victims, what are we really doing with with the perpetrators? You know, we're we're doing a lot of work in the schools. We're doing a lot of work in the sporting clubs um, about men's responsibility and men's health and 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 being respectful. But somehow it's not enough. A lot of this is uh, a lot of this is learnt behaviour. Um, some of it is, a lot, like a lot of things that go wrong in our society, are driven by trauma. People acting out through undiagnosed or untreated mental health, drug and alcohol abuse, uh, family dysfunction that goes from generations, unemployment. None of them are reasons or good excuses to be a, a, a violent person or, or be a perpetrator of domestic abuse. But if we're not going to start treating this, if we're not really going to grasp the nettle, and look at ways of, of giving support to, uh, to these perpetrators, as well as the victims, well, we're just gonna keep going around and around in circles. Mm. And as we go around in circles, we incarcerate more, more people, we lose more women and children to, uh, to, to murder, uh, we have a trauma to the society, um, and we keep spending money repeating the mistakes of the past. Mm. And we're trying to spend the money on fixing it rather than the prevention. That's right. The ambulance at the top of the cliff rather than the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. So in, in that conversation then, and, you know, looking at the fact that the majority of perpetrators are men, 
there has been more conversation in that space. But then there is, I do also hear this, but it's not all men, it's not me. That, so there's an uncomfortableness mm. that I'm portraying for men to sit in this conversation. And obviously that isn't a blame of all men. That's, that's not the point. But how do we navigate that conversation, empower men to feel comfortable in, a, in identifying that men are the perpetrators, they are part of a gender that happens to be a majority perpetrator, what does that mean? How can they be part of the solution? It doesn't mean that they're necessarily directly part of the problem, but unless we solve it, then they still are part of it. I, I get the sense that we're doing a lot of things, but we're not, again, we're not hitting the mark as to why we're doing it. So the message gets lost in the doing rather than the why we're actually going about doing it and, and what actually sits behind that. And I think all we can do is just is being honest with ourselves that we're doing some good, some good work and that there are some positives and, uh, and changes that come out of that, but we need to refresh it. We need to keep coming back to the foundational problem um, of mm. we're about protecting women and children, predominantly, mm. uh, because it's women and children who are suffering at the hands of their male perpetrators. Mm. And the impact, it does have negative impact on both men and women. But so, you know, at the CEO sleep out, a number of the CEOs predominantly are men. And as a man yourself, then what advice would you give around leaning into these conversations? I, I think have, a, have an honest reflection about about yourself and about your values and about your experiences over the past however, however many, probably 40 years, um, about how society has changed, about you know what I remember when I first started as a young um, constable in, in 1980, domestic violence was something that happened behind closed doors. You know, no one spoke about it. We were supposed to go in as 19 year olds and fix this, uh, th this relationship. Um, and you know we would have doors opened by men and slammed in our face by men going everything's fine and you'd hear a little voice behind going yeah I'm fine and that's where it, that's where it sat you know I, I reflect back on that 40 years down uh, later and go how did I how did I not find a way of actually finding that 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 woman and making sure she was safe because that's the way it was that was that was the perspective of domestic violence 40 years down the track, we're so much further advanced, you know, that, that behaviour would be further investigated and interrogated and, and, and there would be a, a curiosity that would, that, that would push to actually uh, provide a lot more service to, that, uh, to both those um, parties. For a wider community, how would you advise them trying to navigate being supportive, being, um, you know, being brave and honest in this and going, yes, there's an issue, what can I do? Yeah. How do we help? I mean, I think, I think it is one about, about courage and, and displaying respectful behaviour and calling out the stuff that is just, quite frankly, callous and lacking all respect. I think people should feel comfortable enough to reach out and ask, well, are you OK? Um, are you all right? Is there something I can do for you? Is there someone I can call? You know, you can't know every resource uh, out there, but there are some some pretty basic resources out there, like um, uh, the, the, your local police or the one three one triple four police assistance line, the the one eight hundred respect number. If if you're within a uh, within a, a particular community, um, 
you know, finding finding the resources that that, that you're comfortable, I guess, to uh, to go and, and refer or, or reach out to. So it's really just a matter of, of just being a little bit aware and, and educating yourself, informing yourself about what services are out there. Um, and, and, and I guess if there aren't any resources that you can immediately access, then it's a conversation with, uh, with your local member of parliament, with the local mayors, the co-local councils about, so what are, we, what are we as a community actually doing for our, our victims and, and our perpetrators so that we don't keep repeating the mistakes of the past? Specifically around the Vinnie's Women's Shelter, um, they're providing, you know, accommodation, but also that support services and time for women and their children and pets to escape and take stock and look at choices and options. From your experience, why is that sort of service an important aspect of of the whole sphere? Well, I think it's, again, you, 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 you're talking about people who are effectively under control. They've been controlled and um, led to believe a certain um, way. They have a certain view of themselves, um, uh, 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 certainly a lack of power, um, often coupled with a, uh, uh, a threat of real violence if they don't follow the the, uh, the, the uh, desired path of the perpetrator. Um, there are often children, sadly often children of rape. Um, so there's a conflict um, you know, between loving the child but being reminded of the violence um, every, every day. And, and basically people are isolated. And so to actually move out of that, n not having any support networks or, or knowledge about how the world sometimes works because their whole life is completely dependent on the perpetrator. When they finally make that, that, that very courageous decision to go, I can't keep doing this, and they move, well, they need somewhere where they can go where they're safe, where there are counsellors who can deprogram a lot of that thinking and actually start uh, empowering the women and the children that what they've been living through is not normal. Yeah, we, we, need, we need to be supportive, we need to be nurturing and we need to find something, something better that nurtures and supports those people that make that, uh, that, that courageous decision to leave a relationship. Mm, it's a, it seems like there's a, a missing in empathy which perhaps is from that lack of understanding from yeah. a broader context because it is so complex. Yeah, I think so. I think the, I think the lack of empathy is that. The, I mean, the, the, um, one, a lack of really a real understanding about the cycle of violence and, and what, these, what these survivors are actually going through. And also I think because there's a lot of white noise uh, within the domestic violence sort of environment, there's a lot of arguing and there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of uh, relationships that are just volatile. And I think that gets a lot of uh, a lot of the attention. And I think we just again we need to find the ways of having the conversations about: Are you actually in a controlling, abusive relationship, or is just that is that just the way you live a life? And if that's the way you live a life, and you're not you're not being hurt by it, well, maybe there is some counselling or stuff, or, or, or some sort of support that we can give you. But I think we need to be really, really quite quite focused on those people who are surviving a horrendous life by a controlling partner, an abusive partner, a violent partner. And I, th I think we do need to stop asking the question, why hasn't she left? Or why has she gone back? You know, we, we should be putting the accountability and the onus 
of domestic violence on the perpetrator and the perpetrator alone. And if we accept that, then it leads on to the other changes uh, and law reforms of whilst we're in an adversarial system, why do we victimise and re-traumatise the victim? Why aren't we holding the perpetrator to an account? How do we, how do we reduce the trauma and the re-victimisation of, of survivors uh, in, the, in, the, in the judicial process? Which are still fair and which are still reasonable, but which do shift the onus of behaviour onto the offenders. And, you know, um, and again, the, the language of an offender, because a lot of the time they're not offending within the criminal law strictly. They're being problematic. They're being, uh, they're being um, uh, overly observant or, or, uh, or, or following or just happening to be at the right place at the wrong time. You know, and in that, in that conversation, you know, we have to talk about mental health. Uh, we have to talk about undiagnosed or untreated uh, mental illness. We do have to talk about drug and alcohol um, addictions. Again, not as, not as a, this is the reason why people offend, but they are things that, um, that inhibit um, people from understanding that their behaviour is actually not right. They are behaviours that, uh, that uh, compound and aggravate a, an already existing attitude towards women and, and, and how they should be treated. So I think it, it, it's that conversation about everything, very holistic, and actually finding the language that actually, that actually starts making the difference, not only to the, the people involved, but culturally within the whole community. And again, slowly but surely, I think we're getting there. I think sometimes we make mistakes, sometimes we go too far one side, too far the other. But I think, again, if we have the courage to actually say, to recognise that and actually find our ways back to a, to a, central, a central theme of trying to make the, the community a better place, find some sort of harmony, find some sort of peace, and more importantly, just fundamental respect for each other, for yourself, and as being a part of a community. So what would you say then, you know, what... What is your hope, your passion? How, you know, you, there's obviously this is something really important to you. Yeah. And you've worked in this space for a long time. How, what do you think we can do and potentially say, is this audience for the CEO sleep out? Like, what can we do well, well, to I think, change this? I think, I think one, is to, one is to have a commitment that we should not be having women and children put into a motel room with no support because that hasn't achieved anything. It simply, it simply isolates those people within a box. But we actually, if we're gonna do that, they have to be given counselling and financial support. They have to be given the opportunities to see that their life can be better and that they can make positive lifestyle choices. For not only that particular situation to get away from that perpetrator, but so they don't go to a similar type of perpetrator or importantly, they recognise the signs when they enter into a new relationship that 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 it, it has some warning mechanisms, you know, and maybe they can actually um, uh, go and find out through the domestic violence disclosure scheme about whether that person is actually has a history of being a, a domestic abuser, uh, and and do things to protect themselves and their children, and again keep keep taking those steps forward to having a positive life. 
uh, I, I think driving conversations or finding opportunities to have the conversations about what we're doing is maybe not working as well as it should, or maybe we need to change the way, what we do and, and how we do it to specifically um, uh, uh, embrace domestic violence as a, as a controlling emotional behaviour type of crime. Um, and maybe the maybe the strict rules of legislation and, and 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 the rules of evidence and all those sort of things, maybe they need to change a little bit to actually allow um, evidence uh, of of really poor behaviour or or concerning behaviour to be presented, um, so that we actually intervene a little bit earlier and not wait for that catastrophe. That, that, that crisis or, the, or uh, the horrendous murder to go, oh, we should have seen that. We should have done something about it. You know, may, maybe the rules of evidence are just a little bit, little bit too harsh. Again, because we're, we're trying to get ahead around people about behaviour and about emotions, about relationships, which are complex at the best of times. You know? and, what, um, and we don't want to be uh, overreacting to, to, uh, to, what it, to um, circumstances which aren't controlling or domestic violence, but we need to be doing something because what we're doing at the moment isn't quite hitting the mark, I don't think. Do we want legislation and the judicial system, the police, to try and be the, 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 the problem solvers in this? Or is this about actually recognising and having the conversations with behavioural scientists, with, with psychologists, psychiatrists, where are we as a community? You know, wh why aren't we hitting the... the, the the, the right marks of respect and emotional intelligence um, and, uh, and, and treating people as you would like to be treated. Um, where, where, are we, where are we losing people? Because you know? you know, if, if it was something simple like, well, people who, who don't have any money are, are perpetrators, you could go, well, let's go fix that. But it's not, it's across the board. It doesn't matter whether you're at the, a low socioeconomic or whether you're a, a, a super high-profile professional, you've still got, all throughout that whole continuum, victims and perpetrators of domestic violence. So it's not about, it's not about where you sit in the community, it's how you think. It, it, it's it's how, you've been, how you've been brought up, whether you've been traumatised. And so a lot of, a lot of the, the preventative uh, measures have to be about talking with people and actually dealing with their underlying issues and embracing the community as a whole to say, you know, this is not acceptable, this is not what we're about um, and here are, the, here are the, 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 the tools and the facilities and the, the assistance to actually change the way that um, you're thinking to a, to a more positive, constructive way of thinking. Um, and I think that if we keep doing that, and if we keep getting braver in our conversations, if we get bolder in our conversations, then we have a chance of making a better difference. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. 
To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.